Hello and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. This is episode number 128. Feeling great with 128. It's wonderful poetry, Ben. Isn't it? Yeah, it really is. So who do you speak to in this episode? In this episode, I I actually sat down uh, with Caro Ryan, who is an awesome videographer. I've worked with her on a secret project that Sabella and I are uh, Mm. working on next year. But she is a newly arrived Blue Mountains implant. Right. So she's so, a local to us now. She is, yeah. I went up to her place, um, you know, a bit further up the mountains earlier this week. And we got to sit down and have a, a face-to-facer, which yeah. was really... We're having a nice. lot of face-to-faces now, aren't we? I really... We're doing more and more of them. Yeah. Mm. Honestly, I've got to say that when I first started the podcast, the thing that I liked about it was that I didn't have to talk to someone face-to-face because like, I was kind of nervous and wasn't yep. really sure of my questions or whether or not anyone cared what I had to say. But as we've progressed, I find so much value in, in actually talking to people face-to-face and being able to, to react and engage in a different kind of way. So this was really lovely. We sat in um, in Caro's living room, so we, there is a bit of just house noise. Right. Nothing too much. There is a, like it's a, slight, a slight hacksaw noise at one point. Okay. <laughs> but uh, apart from that, no, it was, it was a fantastic conversation. So Caro is a... She's a videographer. She's an incredible, she's a very successful entrepreneur. She has her own business. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's also a passionate, passionate bushwalker. Right. Um, and she spends a lot of her time leading expeditions. She's on the bushwalk rescue squad. So what that means is when someone goes missing in the Blue Mountains that you see on the news, yep. she's one of those people that yeah. go in. Is she part of the SCS? Uh, I'm not sure, but right. that's, I think that's a separate thing, right. but she's constantly out in the bush, constantly exploring. Like I, I really, I highly recommend actually that you follow her social media channels because she's always up to something super interesting. Like last week she was in the Solomon Islands, the week before she was in Papua New Guinea. Um, and then she's always on, on these bushwalks around, mostly around New South Wales, but she's a beautiful photographer. She does a lot of YouTube videos. And so she and I talk we probably talk like two main main kind of topics of conversation. Firstly, this past six months, she's made huge changes in her life. Yeah. She moved from the city, from a really stressful, hectic place, you know, a physical place, but also emotionally and with her work, to the mountains on purpose to establish a you know a slower, a slower kind of pace of life and give her the opportunity to actually spend more time doing what she loves. So we spend quite a bit of time talking about that. And then we also look at the, the benefits, mental health benefits and, uh, you know, the, just the, the personal development benefits of spending time in nature as well, which is something that I'm super passionate about. And Caro's got just so much expertise in that. Excellent. It really great. is. Yeah, it's such, it's such a great episode. And it's such a reoccurring topic for us at the moment, people following their passion, mm-hmm. breaking free. I found it really inspiring. She talks a lot about the realization that she didn't have to stay on the wheel, you know, on the Mm, hamster wheel. mm. And I think that that's something a lot of us can relate to or, you know, aspire to or or know that we've certainly spent a lot of time thinking about it. So it's it's a great conversation. I would... As I said, I'd recommend that you check Caro out online. She's got her website, which is lotsafreshair.com. So lotsa, fresh air. I will include a link to that in the show notes. Like lots of hugging bear. Lots of hugging bear, but lots of fresh air. And I'll also include a link to her Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, what have you, because she is well worth looking up and well worth following, particularly if you're either into hiking and bushwalking already or wanting to get into it. She has a heap of information, packing lists and, you know, ways to start exploring outdoor culture without, you know, ending up being one of the people that she has to come and rescue. (laughs) (laughs) It was was a great conversation. Sounds great. Enjoy. Thank you for talking to you. Thank you for inviting me into your beautiful home. Oh, this 
It's so nice to have you here. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we're just sitting in your incredible dining space, light-filled Blue Mountains Art Deco home. Uh, it is amazing. It's just, you know, when you walk into a space and it's just happy, like there's there's a happiness there. There's mm. like a lightness there. That's what your place is like. It's beautiful. Oh, I'm so glad you say that. Um, yeah, I, I kind of, I li- I really believe in where you live like your home has got to be a place of peace Mm. and and I think when I think of where I was living six months ago it was pretty hard to get that kind of a vibe because I was you know it was a very different location so where were you well first of all where are you living now I guess and uh, and where were you living six months ago okay so um, right now where we are as you say is in the Blue Mountains so for those not from Australia, we are about 90 minutes by car mm. west of Sydney and not only west of Sydney, but also higher than Sydney. So we're at about 1,100 metres above sea level. So quite a different climate to yeah. Sydney, which is where I was before. Okay. And this is the upper mountain. So it's about as high as you can go here before yeah. you start dropping back into the plains over the western side. It's a, it, most people would think of it as a tourist type mm. destination. So traditionally, back in the 30s, like you said, you know, my place I live in now is, is Art Deco. It was built in the 30s. And it was seen as the place where Sydney siders would go to take the mountain yeah. air. You know? <laughs> so, so the ladies would come up for their, um, you know, if, if they had respiratory problems or if they needed time away from, you know, Sydney. Um, that people would come to the mountains and mm. they'd come to take the mountains air and to get the fresh air, to get exercise, um, to get away from, you know, I guess Sydney back then was probably a lot more polluted than it is now because yep. there was a different kind of um, industry around. And now, yeah, it's a tourist destination. So the Three Sisters is a very famous rock formation that's uh, just down the end of my street, actually. Know, you're in the best spot. It's amazing. It, I'm pretty stoked. Yeah, I've got it's an say. incredible spot. I'm pretty stoked. So major difference to six months ago you know I was living on a six lane road um, about 10 minutes from the center of city mm. of Sydney before so and I'd lived there for about 13 years I think in the same place yeah wow yeah, I've been okay. in the same place for 13 years yeah. and um and that was my first sort of you know foray I guess into you know living you know trying to establish a home mm. and a place that I wanted to call my own and actually buy which was a big scary thing to do yeah. for someone who's um you know not in a long-term relationship and didn't sort of ever see that as something that would be in my journey or yep. in my life so to try and financially do that in sydney is is pretty huge fun. yeah and you know hence it was on a six lane <laughs> road <laughs> and everything was always dirty so the, the it was like the the brake dust or some stuff comes out of buses and trucks so someone came in and said oh what color are your walls and it's like um they're actually white (laughs) but I think I called it neutral bay or I thought I called it military road gray or something because they were just like not white anymore at all it would just be that kind of dust that settled on yeah everything we had the same in Erskineville it was just like all the seals doesn't matter how often you cleaned it it would just build up and build up and it was this gritty kind of really fine but gritty dust fine gritty powdery dust Mm. that gets on everything and then you realize man I'm sucking that in yeah all the time all the time so yes this is a very different place so again the um the altitude here means that we actually get seasons yes which is really lovely and actually feeling feeling that change take place Mm. feeling that not only the temperature change but feeling and looking around and seeing the trees and seeing the different bird life and seeing like I just now I'm looking out the window and I can see um, a monarch butterfly. So actually seeing the the migration of the monarch butterflies and you just like it's happened around you in Sydney, but I just don't think we ever really notice it. No, no, I think, you know, and I think there's something to be said for the seasons. I crave yeah seasonal change and in Sydney you don't really I mean we're in the mountains but we're down further even there you don't 
really get that full four seasons kind of feeling and there's something something really incredible about it yeah because I think there's also a different pace to different seasons definitely you know in winter you kind of tend to slow down and in summer you spend a lot more time outdoors and just taking in the extra long days all that Mm. kind of thing and moods too yeah it's it's kind of hard to describe but there's there's a mood in the air like even like when I moved here it was winter and that was part of my reasoning to move in winter was like you know it's such a it felt like such a geographically a big move. Mm. Like even I know there are people who move across the world and like that's something else altogether. But having been in the one place for such a long time, I thought, you know, how how am I going to know if, if this is the right move for me? Well, if I move when it's physically probably the most difficult, mm. dare I say, because, yep. you know, the temperature um, – it got really cold. And now, obviously, if you're listening from somewhere else in the world, if you're somewhere where you get snow, okay, it's not that kind no. of cold. <laughs> we did actually, we had two days of snow this year, which was like, whoa, there's snow. It's so exciting. But I thought if I move when it's the coldest and then that's the worst it's ever going to be. Yeah. And if I can survive a winter, heck. Then you'll be, you'll be golden. Yeah, mm. this will be gold. This will be good. So what prompted the move? Mm. I think the uh, the move was prompted by a lot of things, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at you for one of them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I had lived as I said in the same place for 13 years. Mm. Um, I've been running my own business for that period of time, and it's quite like it, it's it was all encompassing. It was such a f- heavy focus for me was work. And like I said, when you you live outside of a um, you know a relationship, a partnership arrangement, you've only ever got one income to mm, rely on. Mm. So there's this sort of additional pressure just to perform and to make the business successful and to ensure that you can pay your your rent or your mortgage or whatever that is, pay your bills. And I loved it. Like I loved my work. I loved what I did. And I just I think it was such a gradual thing of finally realizing that I wanted to be more connected Mm. to yes you know I was quite connected within I guess the area that I lived and that I I wanted I made sure my office was in the same suburb I wanted to walk past the same people every day I wanted to to feel a part of that but I'd started you know some I don't kind of actually remember how I heard about the the pog pass <laughs> i know that i met you at a conference a few years yeah. ago and you, you know at the time you said oh you live in the blue mountains and i was like oh, oh i love the blue mountains you know and i spend a lot of time there with with my hobby and i thought you know one of these days it was always off in the distance one of these days it was a a distant thing like a someday kind a of thing a someday yeah. yeah and i don't think that the realities of the someday, I don't think I'd ever realised how how someday can be today. Mm. And I think maybe that was something from one of your previous episodes, Make Someday Today. Okay. Um, or I'd heard it somewhere. But this year, so 2016, yep. was definitely a year of, of significant change. But it's really interesting because the last couple of years, like last year, 2015, I felt like it was the year of preparing for change. Mm. And, you know, some, I mean, it sounds a bit woo-woo, but feeling, you know, it's weird that every December, January, everyone goes, oh, New Year's resolutions or how's your feelings for the year or what do you vision for the year and the things you hope to do. And for some reason in my gut, like my soul was saying to me last year, get ready for change, mm. get ready for change. But I didn't know what that change was. And at the time I, I was pretty content, I think, where I was, content to a point, but looking trying to be more connected sounds so it's kind of funny but you know I really wanted to grow vegetables yeah so in my place against the six lane highway I I you know built a veggie garden and for the first time you know I I went and I was a built-up garden so I built this thing from scratch and I had three different garden beds and I had loads of stuff growing and then I put in a watering system and and actually watching stuff grow and feeling that even against my six-lane highway, I can still get dirt under my nails mm. and feel like I was, um, I was somehow involved in my food it was actually kind of nice. Um, I think that's huge. I really do. Like I think it's a massive thing, mm. and you don't necessarily understand it until you start to feel that 
yeah like the result of you know of getting your hands in the soil and growing something yeah i can't i can't ever over overstate the beauty of growing something like from a seed or a seedling yeah totally, totally. it's incredible and you know but you know it's not all fairy tales and um you know gum nut babies so you know there was the there was me just swearing at cabbage moths man i don't know aren't they the worst oh it's i'd love to say oh yeah my veggies were absolutely awesome and i was able to be self-sustained so not the case but it was a it was a baby step towards um just incrementally going you know what this is good this is and it's not just good for you know your body and eating stuff that you grow it's also just good for the soul yeah and i know that your listeners are into it too that whole get trying to get away from stuff out of plastic packets you know getting away from processed food getting away from stuff that has numbers attached to it and actually getting attached to the veggies is pretty Mm. nice so uh, so the big change for me this year was in January, I I had a, a, a thing I'm like, you know what, make someday today. And all of my life I'd wanted to go on a big journey across Australia. Just wanted to drive across Australia. And, you know, it's kind of the – it's again, it's one of those things you think as a kid, one of these days, one yeah. of these days. I'd had a pretty full-on year last year. Business-wise, it had been, um, yeah, a year of big change. I'd had – um, financially, I'd taken some really big hits, which, you know, causes you to sort of reevaluate mm. everything in the business. And I just sort of went, you know, I kind of wanted to, I'll, I'll keep it clean. I was like, stuff it. <laughs> stuff it. I'm just going to chuck my tent in the back of my car and I'm going to drive across Australia. And so I did. And so I took 14 days. I mean, you can do it in something like seven or something like that. But I actually wanted to drive and feel the journey. Mm. I wanted to feel the distance of going somewhere. And it wasn't like I was leaving Sydney life, six-lane highway behind. I wanted to drive forward into something that I just didn't know. I wanted to go into that unknown because life, after 13 years in the one house and in the same business running the same way, everything becomes really predictable. Yeah, okay. And, I, I mean, I'm, I love adventure. I love discovery. I love exploring. And I feel like my life was not really about that. At that, you know, yeah, okay. In the city, so drove across Australia. Took I, I try and drive just three or four hours a day, and the whole time I'm either listening to pod podcasts as well as podcasts <laughs> <laughs> from all range of different people, filling my mind with good stuff mm. and listening to music. Like, hey, there's something about music, and when you live in an apartment, you tend to not really listen to it like you used to as a kid. You know, you you listen to it loud. Mm. So I'd listen to music and then I'd listen to podcasts and then I'd listen to silence and I'd just drive and be in the silence and camp beside, you know, rough camping. Just um, that sounds really bad, rough camping. <laughs> um, I have my little one-man tent and free camping. I think yeah, probably yeah, yeah free camping. Yeah. yeah, so just pull up beside a highway somewhere, go off into the bush, find somewhere. And it's amazing the number of people I met who are like, aren't you scared? Mm. Aren't you afraid? I was like, no, no, I'm actually more scared in the city, I think, than out in the bush. And, yeah, it was just a time to really evaluate and go, what? I guess I actually asked myself the question, what's stopping? Mm. What actually is holding you back? And in some ways I feel really lucky and I feel like my life is very different to a lot of people in that I don't have... um, kids to look after I don't have a a husband or a partner in my life and I don't you know so in some ways it can be seen as oh it's so easy you know there's nothing stopping you changing things up but but I I don't buy that I think everyone's got everyone's got obstacles to overcome if they want to make changes everyone has to yeah like has to really face up to them yeah, and conquer got them. Anchors. Everyone does. Yeah. Everyone's got anchors. Yeah so I realized that actually all the stuff in your mind that tells you is a barrier, all the stuff that says it's too hard or you can't or you can't afford it or what will people think or what about this, what about that, actually when you break it down, it's not really, there's not actually a lot there. And the, the question that I ask myself all the time is what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. 
oh, well, what's the worst that could happen? It could be a failure and I move back. Mm -hmm. Or what's the worst that could happen? Um, Financially, I take a massive hit and I end up, you know, going back to share accommodation. Okay, well, then what? What's the worst that could happen? Oh, I end up in, I don't know, a caravan park. Okay, well, then what's the worst that could happen? Well, uh, I've got a tent. (laughs) I go back and live with my parents. Or what's the worst that could happen? And... You know, yes, I, I do have a tent. And to me, that actually wouldn't be <laughs> the worst thing the worst no. that could happen because that's actually pretty nice. I think we kind of we tell ourselves stories, don't mm-hmm. we? And because it's it makes sense to do that, you yeah. know, otherwise you just spend so much time up in your head going for, like back and forth, back mm-hmm. and forth. But over time, we kind of believe that those stories are the only ones that mm could be but it's culture yeah it's so much of how we live our life is this culture that tells us from the day we get in school school starts to tell us that what life is about is you go to school and you leave school you fall in love you get married you have kids you get a mortgage you get a picket fence out the front And you work really hard to keep paying the mortgage and you buy toys and you fill your house with toys and your kids have everything they need. And it just, and what, what we don't realize that story we're telling ourselves is it's this hamster wheel and it's so counter-cultural, but what is so wonderful is, you know, the stuff that the, the work that you do, the stuff that there's this movement of people that have actually been around for a while, but for such a long time, they've been considered the hippies and the counterculturals and the people who are just for somehow it's been considered um, like wrong mm. to step off the hamster wheel. Whereas now actually so many more people are saying, I don't want to get to the end of my life and have regrets yeah i don't want to go be on my deathbed and say i wish i had so i think this is the difference because uh, generations before people mm. would get to 65 and yep. they're like great now we travel now yes. we explore now we have adventures and sadly oftentimes they're either not healthy enough or um brave enough to yep. go and actually do those things even yeah. though that's what they were working towards you exactly. know one day the kids will be old enough and they can look after you know but now i think there's a, a whole sort of subgroup of people coming through going i don't want to wait yeah I don't, you know, and that in it, like th- that comes with sacrifice and compromise and change and, Absolutely. you know, discomfort mm-hmm. and questioning and all that kind of stuff. But it's uh, increasingly I'm seeing people find that it's worth it. There is another way. Yeah. Um, I just uh, the, the latest saying that I have with um, I was just working um, overseas a couple of weeks ago. And this guy I was working with, we just kept talking about the hamster wheel. Mm. And then we shortened it to the wheel. Let's just get off the wheel. Yeah. And it's like this, this life that goes so quickly. Get on. It's almost like, do you remember those kids' roundabouts yeah. as a kid? So they, you'd, they, I think they got banned. About think, yeah, too 15, many broken arms. Too many broken arms and legs <laughs> going under the things. But the roundabouts where you'd be in the playground, you'd hop on, you'd grab the, you'd grab the handle, you'd run, 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 run around the outside, then you'd jump on, on board the roundabout. And what was awesome when you're on the roundabout was that you could see your friends who were on the roundabout with you. Yeah. But the rest of the world outside is a blur. And so you true. don't actually see the world outside because it's moving so quickly. And you're on this roundabout, you're spinning around, you're squealing, you're having a great time. But it's only when you step off the roundabout that suddenly the rest of the world comes into focus. Mm. And you go, wow, look. I was so busy running to get away from this, to spin fast on this wheel that I thought I was having fun on. And it was fun. It was great. There's nothing wrong with it. But look at this other stuff that now has come into focus. Wow, that's pretty nice. Mm. So how how has life – I mean, life has obviously changed enormously Mm. in the last six months for you, even just in terms of where you live. But how how have things shifted for you? I mean, how do you feel – different and i guess also what what were the challenges in making the move and did you have pushback from people and you know was there self-doubt were there, were there moments where you're like what am i what doing, am I doing? Yeah. what on earth am i doing and to be honest i actually still have a bit of that mm-hmm. um because it is such early days yeah really so the challenges challenges actually were made a lot less well actually no going stepping back a bit I had this thing going for the last couple of years and, and my friends on Facebook 
were actually the beneficiaries of a lot. A lot. It was called the Urge to Purge. Um, and it came out of the decluttering stuff. Yeah. So, and I'm certainly no minimalist, but um, I think because of my nature, I'm a very organized person. And as an organized person, when there's a lot of stuff around, it can kind of add to anxiety oh, and yeah. add to feeling like clutter can just feel like a little overwhelming and out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the last couple of years, I've been doing Urge to Purge, season one, Urge to Purge, season two. <laughs> and it was like the latest TV season, you know, this new show. And all my friends are seeing all these photos that would go up on Facebook. It's like, oh, Urge to Purge, a piece of furniture. Oh, and it's for free. Fantastic. Or, you know, and I, so I gave away so much stuff. Yeah. And I donated stuff and, you know, I sold a few things that if they were, you know, worthy of it. Um, so that was a big, that made a big difference to making a move. Now, the interesting thing in terms of how my life looks different now is that it's cheaper. So, right. Yeah. So Sydney is ludicrous. Yeah. Like I think of, of the cities in the world that's expensive to live, Sydney has one of the highest costs of living, not just accommodation like houses and stuff, but just things cost yeah like the cost coffee or coffee or the insurances for your car and things just average things like that so i didn't that was actually an unseen benefit that's cool i know i did not realize that my house insurance i i moved and i changed all my addresses and suddenly i'm getting rebates on (laughs) insurance and i'm finding things cheaper and up here there's the ability to buy in bulk bulk foods that kind of thing which which is is it's a little harder to find in Sydney. Mm. That, that's been a real benefit. But I think the big change has been in balancing and going, rather than spend 120% of my time working really hard to afford to live in a really expensive city, I'm going to step out of that, try and get off the wheel. And by living somewhere cheaper, like the rent here is like, I just, it's so much cheaper. Yeah. So much cheaper. And by cutting your costs, the impetus to actually work those long hours is gone. Mm. And I know that's, that I think that is a luxury, I honestly, and I, and I call it as it is because I am in a unique situation, is it? And I, I, I tend to not use the word single because I don't actually see why single to me sounds like there's something lacking. Yeah. But I don't sort of feel that there's something lacking. I'm just a, I'm just a person who's just not in a relationship. Yeah, exactly. It's just not in the journey. And so... By, by stepping away from having to have the, the need to make so much money to just afford to live, you, it gives you so many more choices. Yeah. See, this is the thing. I think so many of us, um, we work to exist and exactly. we kind of just make this, this baseline level that we need to because, you know, things cost money. Mm. Um, but there's just so much energy and, and, and time that goes into just earning that yeah. amount. Just just to get day to day yeah you know yeah. And, and and there's no buffer there's no margin there's nowhere to kind of expand or no. there's no flexibility in that which is which is a really difficult place to be in and so many of us find ourselves in that place you yeah. know um, and not see that there is an alternative yeah yeah and and the alternative can feel hard and it can feel a long way away and it can feel difficult and you know it's certainly not I don't know if it's for everybody but there's an option and at least everyone has the ability to think about that mm. and to think what an alternative might be off yeah. the wheel, off the big city, off the having to feel like you need to work 70 hours a week. Yes. Just just to – and that's not living extravagantly. That's just – No, in Sydney. In like, Sydney. That's, that's just reality yeah. on a single income. Yeah. So what I've tried to do this year is I've tried to split my time – um, and trying to be, and I know it's the first time I've used the, this word, I can't believe it, mindful. <laughs> <laughs> trying to be more mindful of where I spend my time. Yeah. And actually realizing, and when you, when you, oh, I love this concept that when you think if time is our most valuable asset that we have, and when you talk about spending time, mm. like you spend money, yeah. how you spend the time, I want to spend it. Wisely, wisely and i want to spend it mindfully so by moving up here i'm i'm trying to juggle my you know if you think of 100% of time i try and put 40% into my business yeah. which used to be 110% it's crazy i know so i'm trying to 
do my day-to-day job mm. 40% of the time. I'm trying to work on my outdoor stuff, the, my blog, whatever, yep. 40% of the time, and then which, you know, is not a financially big thing, and then volunteering 20% of the time. So to me that's it's also not just mindful, it's about balance. Yes. And I don't want my life to just be about one part of my life. You know, we, we're such diverse, fabulous, wonderful beings, you know, we've got so many aspects to our lives um, that to be able to to put our life in these different areas and to share them with different people as well. Mm. Like if, if we're just all focused on one thing, I think that's not just only robbing ourselves, it's robbing other people. Yeah. Which kind of... Yeah, yeah. well, that's it because you have so much, you have things to offer, you have knowledge, you have insight, you have, you know, generosity. And I think that's a really beautiful way of looking at it, you know, to be able to open spend. it out and yeah exactly spend on other people exactly so if you can't spend money i want to spend my time on yeah. other people i want to spend um whether that's helping or supporting or going around and helping someone build their garden or mm. um i don't know just uh, with a community mindedness as yeah. well yeah it's just it's looking outward yeah. yeah getting off that wheel yeah. and seeing all the diversity that's which you have time to do about. you have time the ability to do when you're not just living to work, working to exist. Kind exactly, of. Yeah. exactly. Um, and I really want to talk to you about like, your outdoor work, as you just mentioned, mm. um, because I find it, we were talking about it before we, we hit record, but so you, you're an avid bushwalker and you're also part of... Um, <laughs> Bushwalkers Wilderness <laughs> Thank you. Rescue Squad. Thank yeah. you. Um, but you just, you were just, you exude passion and enthusiasm for like the bush, you yeah. know, and I love talking to you about it and I love watching your face light up when you talk about it and living here yeah. is phenomenally incredible for you because you're just literally on your doorstep you've yeah. got all of this amazing australian bush i've spoken to you about this before but you didn't grow up as an in and outdoorsy like a super outdoorsy family so how did you come to become so passionate about the bush and you know spending time out in it that's a very good question <laughs> i've often asked myself that no um actually one of the interesting things about the move up here to the mountains is that so many people said oh that's so you mm. you know like wow, you've kind of been like this fish out of water in the city for so long. Like, That's really interesting when people can so see that. And it's take, like, we, we take so long to convince ourselves, oh. but other people are like, well, of course, of that course. makes perfect yeah. sense. Of course. Why, why did you see this so long? Because I didn't know there was an alternative. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know I could think differently. I didn't know there was a way off the wheel. Yeah. I didn't know. So, yeah, so I am super uber passionate about hiking about mm. about the outdoors about time outdoors and the bush i yeah didn't have a, an outdoorsy childhood i wasn't a girl scout i yeah. didn't do my duke of edinburgh awards i didn't do any of that kind of stuff and i think the first the, but but what i did have was a really vivid imagination and i used to love reading enid blyton books you know i used to love the secret seven and the famous five yep. and oh actually my all-time favorite was the faraway tree oh yeah so and when you think about the faraway tree and in that story this wonderful children's book of these three kids that would go out they they lived near the forest and they'd go into the forest and have these grand adventures and they'd climb this massive big tree the faraway tree and and one thing they would do is, and it was their first time into the woods, is that they would put their ear to the trunk of the tree, and they could hear the wisha 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 of the of the leaves in the tree, of the wind in the leaves of the tree above. And then they'd climb the tree, and you know it was all it's all fabulous. You know these wonderful fairy lands would appear at the top of the tree, and they'd have meet all these wonderful creatures. But for me, that that kind of experience of being in the bush is something that and me as a you know I'm 44 years old now I can still kind of have those wonderful wow moments yeah. like a kid in an Enid Blyton book I got like I was down in the bush on Saturday and there was the most enormous eucalypt like it was just enormous I it would have taken uh, maybe four of us with our arms around the base to to hug the whole wow. tree and just, I, I feel, again, it's getting a little woo-woo here, but to me, when I, I, I sort of think about, if I put my hand on a tree, it's kind of weird, but you think this tree is this living thing. Mm. 
its roots go really deep into the ground. It sucks up amazing amounts of water and moisture from not only earth but through its leaves and those fabulous processes that's going on in this living, it's like this amazing living machine that these trees are. And it's it's got this energy to it. It's mm. got this um, this life blood that's flowing through this tree and I mean it's all totally in my imagination but if I just no no I don't don't think so I think there's something incredible about it I I I, we went bushwalking with the kids a few weeks ago and I totally hugged a tree and it was totally an amazing feeling you know and I think there's something incredibly um motivating almost or or, uh empowering in connecting Mm. with nature in that way Mm. and it impacts the choices that you make and the things that you do and the way that you spend your time when you start to to get a sense of that connectedness and that life yeah you know and I think that that's something that when we don't spend enough time outdoors it's lacking yeah you know and I think kind of you you started to tap into that when you started to grow your veggies yeah like there's something there you know that's beyond beyond our control and beyond our you know we, we can impact it yeah but it's something else that we're connected to. And I think that I think it's incredible. Mm. Yeah, I don't think you're imagining it. I think there's absolutely, absolutely this but, thing. You know, if, if I'd asked myself or I'd heard that 15 years ago, I'd go, she's a little bit of a freak. Um, but do you know the other thing I love, I mean, there's so much I love about spending time in the bush is that it's the difference between doing and being. Mm-hmm. I've had a the, the whole concept of I really want to be someone who just – I want to be the kind of person who be yeah. rather than do. Do. And when I get stressed and when I feel overwhelmed or I feel anxious about something, I just put myself into – you know, I, I'll just imagine myself standing in the middle of, of a beautiful stand of trees and these trees and whether it be, you know, there's a creek or a stream or I'm on a mountaintop or whatever it is, nature is its the ultimate be. Mm. It's the ultimate being. There's no doing about it. Yes, there's all these doing processes happening in the background that we don't see, you know, that, that's giving it this life force. But it, a tree is just a tree. It's just there. It's not trying to prove itself. It's not like saying, hey, look at me. I'm a tree. Like comparing itself to other trees. Exactly. The trees are going, hey, I'm so much bigger than you, tree. Or, it's hey, like questioning its treeness. I'm just a tree. I am a tree. I just be. And I love that. Mm. And I just think sometimes I've just got to be be like a tree. Maybe that'll be the T-shirt I be get. Be like a tree. Be like a tree. Yeah. Just be. Um, but I, it, it's, it just, nature just does what it does and it doesn't need to justify its existence Mm. you know it's obviously that's getting on the fringe of the whole environmental movement but there's this sense and I think that especially as people in modern life when this it's running so fast and there's so many responsibilities that we feel that we have we just need to chill sometimes and we just need to stop and I love that when I go into the bush quite often, I'll I'll step off the bitumen, off the pavement, and, you know, you put your foot on the ground of just a, a, a trodden earth, like a single track or something like that. And it's easy to keep the busyness in your head. It's easy to keep um, or to be really task-oriented. It's like, oh, you're really task-oriented during the day. Oh, I need to get out in the bush and just go from yeah. A to B. Yep. Or, hey, I'm going to do it for fitness, which is fine. And sometimes I'll just do that. Mm. But to actually get into the bush and just walk for a short distance and go, you know what, I'm actually not going to keep walking. I'm just going to sit on this rock and I'm just going to sit and I'm going to listen. And when you listen away from the sounds of the road and the trucks and and anything of the man-made environment, when you actually take time to listen, it's amazing what you actually hear. Yeah. I, I led a series of walks a couple of years ago called a silent silent walks because quite often you get in the bush and you're with friends and you chatter, chatter, yeah. chatter, 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 and there's so much going on you just don't hear. And so with these walks we decided to say, look, okay, while we're walking, we're going to walk in silence. And when we're having our morning tea break and our lunch break, we'll stop. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll, we'll stop but we'll also take those quietly silently away from each other and then at night time we'll come back around the campfire it was an overnight walk and just talk about what we heard during the day and what we found and what we 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 picked up on and we didn't realize that 
Yorkshire is a really noisy place. Hmm. And it's only when you stop and listen and get off that noisy wheel that's also in our heads that you actually start to listen and you start to register all the amazing stuff that's out there. So. That is so beautiful. Uh, you know, and I, it's, it's, a, it's like a meditation. Well, it is. And, I mean, there's so much stuff around how nature is um, good for your mental health. Mm. There, you know, I wish I could quote stats for you now. I, do, I don't have any at the moment. I'm oh, close to hand. I do share quite a bunch of stuff of that on, on my Facebook page or whatever. But I'll put links um, to all of that in the show notes as well so people can, can check it all out. But, yeah, there's these things about walking meditation. Um, and even you could go back to the writings of Thoreau, mm. you know, Walden and um, these books where, he, that, you know, people who were maybe hermits or people who were just like time alone in the bush and talking writing about their experiences and amazing poetic kind of stuff but for us in day-to-day life just to calm the down get out in nature and stop and to feel actually allow ourselves to you know to maybe think about the woo-woo a little bit yeah about hugging a tree sitting on on the roots of a tree and just listening and feeling you know trying to imagine that the life force that's within Mm. the tree and the earth is amazing or or putting your feet in a stream like in australia we are so lucky and like a lot of the places i go walking i can actually stop and scoop up the water from the creek and drink it i don't Mm. need to treat it i don't need to put chemicals in it or whatever and that's a really awesome feeling yeah just especially on a hot summer's day but so apart from just feeling refreshed from you know oh it's cool i'm thirsty you think man this is actually this whole cyclical thing like i'm actually drinking water that's fallen from the sky that's fallen up on a mountain up behind me and it's trickled down and it's now i'm sitting here able to refresh myself Mm. and and that's that same thing of putting your fingers in the earth in the dirt of gardening it's like ah earth water and then you know you think of the other other element fire you know to actually sit and cook on an an open flame in a natural environment is fantastic it's just getting back to something almost like primitive almost you know and and it's it's a phenomenal feeling to kind of tap in to that but isn't that this what it's all about yeah this sense that we complicate us in our modern days we have complicated because we've you know we want to make life convenient we want to mm-hmm. make life easy we want to make life comfortable clean and clean you and know um, shiny orderly and, and orderly yeah and we know it's coming around the corner and we know what's happening next week and, and predictable yeah, and, exactly and yeah and we want to be able to pay our bills because that's the reality of life but you know what getting back to simplicity of bushwalk of, of what what life in the bush what it was like you know thousands of years ago and that's actually one of the things that I love and I just realized I haven't answered your question about how did I get into this <laughs> um, but I'll get to that but you know what I love about an extended like a multi-day bushwalk like you're carrying everything you need mm. on the back like that's it yeah I have my my tent or my shelter it could just be a fly or I might even be sleeping in an overhang or a cave mm-hmm. I have the ability to light a fire and cook food and to make myself warm I've got the ability to drink out of streams. Um, I'm not a, I'm so not a survivalist kind of person. I'm not, you know, I don't carry a big hunting knife. I don't do all that kind of stuff and hunt and stuff. I do gather some of my own food and stuff. But, you know, to be able to out, go out there with just everything you need. Mm. And it is that basics you're taught at school, you know, food, water, shelter. And the, the one I'd add to that is friendship. Food, water, shelter, companionship yeah. is just, it's the simplest, most basic of our human needs. Mm. And getting out in the bush amongst nature and with these basic needs just really, to me, it really brings it back. And I think that's one of the things that helped me in my move was in, and, and in purging, in decluttering, in thinking about, you know, I want to move with less. Yeah is thinking, well, actually, I can just go out with a pack on my back and, you know, climb mountains and live comfortably for a couple of weeks. So why do I need all this stuff? Oh, I don't really need all that stuff. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? And there are other people who maybe need that stuff. So, 
it's been that was a big thing yeah I think and you know that's something that I'm becoming more and more convinced of is that the more we tap into that the more we spend time in nature the more we appreciate it and and like revel in it you know and and stop and listen because I think if you sit still long enough and quietly enough in nature things will happen in yeah. front of you you, you and you start to notice things and it's amazing it could be you could just start to to see the ants building their nest yes. or you could start to see the baby birds in the, you know it, anything but things happen if you just stop and be still and quiet and I think the more that you open yourself up to that the more you start to care about it and yeah. the more you start to care about it the more you make changes in the way that you behave and the way that the choices that you make and you know and and the way that you view yourself as part of it not opposing it and that's where I think we're at at the moment where it's sort of like something to be wrangled into submission trying to control it and fight with it and I think it's it's such a western way of thinking yes. in nature i've got this this is i've got this awesome friend she is doing she lives in tassie and she's doing a fine arts um she's doing her phd mm. in fine art and it's about gardens of all things and how western thinking is all about controlling a garden and yeah we've talked about growing veggies it's yep. fantastic so it's, it's not really about that it's about how you know especially in the australian bush as you know, the, when the, the white colonialists came from England, they were, they tried to control hmm. nature here. We tried to build gardens and made them look like tried to make them look like gardens back in England. And it was all about this sort of yeah, this sense of control and wanting to feel in charge, dominance, it, and dominance, mm. and the most and and but it's also it comes with this thinking that says that the Australian bush in its natural state has no water. Hmm. But the most amazing thing is when you get into nature, you realise it is full of order. Mm. It is full of design and perfection and a real sense of its own self. And it actually doesn't really need us to (laughs) It's been doing fine. (laughs) It's been doing just fine, thanks. Yeah, so it's, it's a fascinating, fascinating kind of concept, but... Do you want me to answer the question? I'd love you to answer the question. <laughs> how did you get into, into oh bushwalking, Kara? Goodness, yes. How did I get into bushwalking or hiking, hiking or tramping sorry. or yep. trekking or wherever it is? Wherever I know. Well, that's a it. thing because I often talk about bushwalks. People are like, what are these bushwalks you speak of? Yes, what is that? <laughs> it's hiking, basically. It is hiking, yeah, by any other name. Um, so, like I said, I, I loved reading children's books about adventures, and but yeah, didn't really grow up in that. Um, but I, and when I was, um, in college and I was studying, um, I got offered the opportunity to go on one of those experiential outdoor right. training leadership programs. You know, it's like, oh, here we go. But I tell you what, it completely changed my life. Wow. And so it was three days in a national park down South called the Butterwangs, um, national park. And it was remote, um, sleeping in a cave, um, gathering water and pushing yourself physically. I Mm. think there's something really powerful about pushing yourself physically. And at the time, and I have had weight issues all my life. So, you know, at the time I was carrying a lot more weight than I was now. Um, And I think there's something about again it's that connectedness when you've pushed yourself physically to the limits of what you can do and you're carrying a pack and mm. you've still got to get up that hill because hey there's no one, no one else is going to bring it. you up <laughs> you got to find something deep inside yourself yep. you got to go well my body's not going to really want to do this where do i go inside my mm. inside me to get back out to where i need to be so it's to me it's a it's a physical it's an, a mental it's an emotional it's a spiritual experience to to spend time in the bush and and that's what i want to encourage people to do and but also to show that it's not it doesn't matter how you do it yeah you know there's this real elitism that can happen in the outdoor space yes and there are people who go well unless mm-hmm. you're you know mm-hmm. super hardcore unless exactly. you're well, i don't know what accent that was <laughs> the hardcore guy that's the hardcore guy <laughs> Um, yeah, unless you're carrying a, a 20 kilo pack, yeah. you know, in the bush for three weeks, or unless you're doing a through hike that takes you six months to do, it's somehow not 
uh, it's not it's enough. It's enough. not good enough. It's so good you don't enough. get you don't get to own that. No, yeah. no. But I I think of the outdoors. I think of bushwalking, nature, camping, whatever you want to call it, as it's like ice cream. Mm. It's like there's so many different flavors. <laughs> but hey, it's all good. Yeah. Like what ice cream is bad? Well, actually, Vegemite ice cream pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> actually, rum and raisin. I'm not a big fan. You just got to find the flavor that works for you, and yep. if. The most you can do, like for whatever reason in your life, means that your experience of nature may be just walking 200 metres from the car mm. or maybe you've got mobility issues, you know, and whatever you can do, if if your distance is 200 metres from the car and you're doing it with a selfie stick and that's your, wow, look at this lookout and that's it, awesome. Yeah. You know, and there's so no judgment there. But the interesting thing about nature, this is this is what I love, is that, and and I, it's one of those things that I will ponder for ages, and I'm still working through it, is that it actually, it, nature doesn't demand things of you, but it does judge you, mm. because if it judges you, but not in a not in a, a negative way. Because if you go into nature and, and the work that I do with the rescue squad, yeah, <laughs> yeah you know where this is going, don't yeah. you? <laughs> if you? If you go into nature with ego, hmm. if you go into nature assuming you know it all, if you go out into the bush feeling like you are the controller mm. and not knowing that you're actually just part of this bigger picture that can control you, you, you know, there's potential to really... Yeah, prepare to be humbled if not knocked flat on your butt. Exactly, exactly. Man, I was on my butt like about five times on Saturday (laughs) and each time I'm like, oh, that's number one, oh, that's number two. And, you know, people. some people would think I'm a really experienced um, navigator and bush person and, you know, I, I don't generally walk on track, I'll walk off track and I love that thing about, it's problem solving because it's yeah. navigating with a map and compass. And yep. you read, it's a lot about reading the land too, like reading the landforms and and understanding um, which way is going to be easy. And a lot of that, that's the same wisdom that came from the Aboriginal. Mm. Um, like we quite often I'll, I'll be following old Aboriginal routes and paths because they knew the easiest way yeah. through, you know. It's just logic. But so to go in humbly in the bush is, I think, the only way to do it. And so it does become this full-body, mind, spirit mm. kind of experience. But, yeah, very humbling, very humbling. Where do you think or where do you think someone should start if they are keen but completely green on, on you know, getting outdoors? What's a good place to start? you know, regardless of where they are? I think a good thing is to find a community. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether that be a hiking club, bushwalking club, online, so meetup groups yep. um, is a lot becoming a lot more accessible to Great. people. Um, and finding, you know, some hiking, tramping clubs around them. Um, I've got some resources like how to packing lists. Brilliant. Like people sometimes find themselves out in the bush and they've just not taken the right things. Yeah. Um, or they don't have enough drinking water and that kind of thing. So I've got overnight and day packing lists on my um, website. Um, but, yeah, definitely finding people to go with. Let them teach you. Be teachable. Yeah. Be teachable. Yeah, okay. Be open. <laughs> yeah, and national parks. I mean, national parks, the people who work in parks or parkies, as I call them, mm-hmm. they're awesome people, yeah. you know, and these are people passionate about uh, being land managers. So they're not just there to explore as a tourist thing they're yes. there to manage the land in the best way possible yeah so they'll they'll give you great advice as well so yeah national parks find a community and get the right resources to take with you awesome yeah thank you caro thanks this for being to take, do you want to go for a bush walk? yeah <laughs> i'm so keen to go for a bush walk. <laughs> Hi, Puck Pass.